Psalm 11. In the Lord I take refuge. How then can you say to me, Flee like a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bows, they set their arrows against the strings, to shoot from the shadows at the upright in heart. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. He observes everyone on earth. His eyes examine them. The Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked, those who love violence, he hates with a passion. On the wicked he will rain fiery coals and burning sulphur. A scorching wind will be their lot, for the Lord is righteous. He loves justice. The upright will see his face. And if you've got your Bibles there with you, then please keep them open at Psalm 11. We're going to spend a bit more time looking at this again now. But let's uh, pray again that God will be with us by his spirit as we do. Heavenly Father, we do ask that your spirit will be working in our hearts and minds this morning, and we particularly ask that you'll help us to be able to say along with David that the Lord is my refuge, and that we will be able to say this with the, the conviction and the trust that it deserves. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. In the Lord I take refuge. It's a great sentiment, isn't it? It's a, it's a, it's a great line. It's the kind of line you might expect to see on a fridge magnet in someone's home or a bumper sticker of a car or embroidered and framed over someone's kitchen table. I reckon the, the psalm is full of these great one-liners. Have you noticed that? that? That you love to kind of put up somewhere on a plaque. And I reckon this is one of them. In the Lord I take refuge. But what does it mean? And I guess more importantly, what will that look like to be the kind of person who can say, in the Lord, I take refuge. Particularly, I guess, as we begin a new year. What will it look like to have this as something that I can say honestly and with conviction throughout the year ahead? As I say that, it seems funny to be reflecting on that because I remember that this time last year, I remember asking a similar question about what it might look like to trust God into the uncertainties and the unknowns of the year ahead. That was 2020. And I particularly remember saying that we've got no idea what the year ahead might have in store for us. Now that seems like an understatement, doesn't it? I don't think I'd even heard of coronavirus this time 12 months ago, and now my computer knows how to spell it, how things have changed. I think these past 12 months have really called into question so much of what we might previously have seen as stable or taken confidence in, things that we take refuge in. But you know, as unprecedented as 2020 was, that same statement is also true for the next 12 months. We have no idea what 2021 might have in store for us, whether individually or collectively. But what we can do is we can commit ourselves as to what kind of person I am going to be into the year ahead. How am I going to face this year ahead, whatever it might bring? 
And if we're people whose trust and hope is in the Lord Jesus, then this is not a bad resolution to have. In the Lord I take refuge. Though I guess it's worth pointing out from the beginning that taking refuge implies trouble, doesn't it? It implies insecurity. You take refuge from bad things, right? Things that maybe make you nervous or things that make you afraid or insecure. And so this year ahead, it might be a great one or it might be a difficult one, but I want to suggest that we should wait for times of trouble before we learn to say, in the Lord I take refuge. And I think following David through this psalm is something that will help us to be able to do that. Because for David, this is anything but a glib one-liner. This is not some bumper sticker that he bought on holidays and brought home with him. It's more like a tattoo that he has earned through pain. And so hopefully following David on his journey will help us to take this same resolution into the year ahead. So the first thing that will happen if we, take God, if we have God as our refuge is we won't flee to another refuge. We won't flee to another refuge, particularly when that fleeing diverts us away from where trusting God should lead us. Have a look at the advice that David was being given when he was facing trouble from verse 1. In the Lord I take refuge. How then can you say to me, flee like a bird to your mountain? Can you imagine that voice in David's ear of perhaps a well-meaning friend speaking to him? Now is the time to flee, David. You know, the trouble is surrounding you. The enemy is closing in on you. Flee to that mountain stronghold where you'll be safe. In the Bible, there's this image that often comes up, an image of safety and security of an eagle in its mountaintop nest, where it has kind of the, the solid rock of the mountain at its back and nothing but air, nothing but sky in front of it. And there is no way that anyone can come to it. It's, a, it's an image of security and safety. Or similarly, a king who has his mountain castle that is firm and secure and no one can come at him there. But David is saying, my stronghold, my mountain stronghold, my place of security and refuge is not a castle or a mountaintop. My mountain stronghold is the Lord. So how can you say to me, flee to some other refuge? Now, David is not saying here that he deliberately avoids safety so that he can make sure that his only refuge is God. You know, he doesn't go looking for trouble so to speak. David was God's Messiah, God's anointed one. And as God's Messiah, there were some specific things that God wanted him to do, like fight God's battles. And he couldn't do that if he's hiding away in some mountain stronghold. And so fleeing, in this case, is not just being sensible about safety. It means not doing the things that God wants him to do but instead fleeing to find safety and security somewhere else. But the only way David can not flee is if he knows that he has a refuge in God, that he was safe and secure in the Lord, confident that God is with him. And, you know, it was the same with Jesus. Jesus didn't put himself in harm's way for the sake of it, just to test 
if God would protect him, although you know that the, the devil encouraged him to do that. Do you remember that time when the devil took him to the, the pinnacle of the temple and said, throw yourself down if you trust that God will save you? And Jesus said, no, I'm not going to put the Lord to the test. What he did do, though, is he went where God wanted him to go, despite the danger, particularly when he headed towards Jerusalem. That was where God wanted him to go, but that was where the danger was. And so his disciples and his friends were around him saying, what are you doing? Don't go to Jerusalem. People there are trying to kill you. Go the other way. Flee back to Galilee. But the Gospel of Luke tells us that Jesus resolutely set his face towards Jerusalem because he knew that was where God wanted him and he could trust God to take care of him. That's what trusting God as your refuge looks like and not fleeing to some other place of safety. Now, we are not God's Messiah. We don't have the same mission that Jesus had or even that David had. But we still do have times where we might flee from what God wants for us. We still may have some mountain strongholds, some place of safety that we might flee to and find security in those things rather than in God. And I guess the most obvious example that comes to my mind is what Jesus says about the rich fool that man who found security and comfort and stability in his possessions and his money and his wealth. You know, God calls us to be generous with our money, with our possessions. But it's so common, isn't it, even for Christians, to want to find security in those things. We have that expression, right? Financial security. And when we find refuge in that, it can take us away from the generosity that God wants us to have. That's just one example. There are plenty of others. Maybe my refuge is in my family and my home. That's my safe place. God calls us to be hospitable to others in our homes. But often our, our home and our family is more like a castle with a moat and a drawbridge and alligators around it. We keep the world out so that we can say, stay safe in or our work. You know, I find significance, I find meaning, I find personal security in my work. And that ends up occupying all my time, my self-worth, my meaning, or my friends. You know, I find refuge in my friendships. And if I flee to that, what that looks like is I end up doing the things that they want me to do instead of what God wants me to do. Or I do the things that will make me feel secure in those friendships rather than what God wants for me because I'm more concerned about that than being secure in God. Now, in and of themselves, these things are not bad. The problem is when we find security in these things. And so I flee to them instead of standing firm in what God wants for me and taking refuge in God. And so I say God is my refuge, but what I really mean is God is my backup plan in case those things fail. In the, in the everyday, in practice, those things are my refuge. You know, C.S. Lewis said that most people think of God the way that a fighter pilot thinks of his parachute. 
I'm glad it's there, but I hope I don't need it. I'm glad God is there as a backup, but I'm really trusting in well, my possessions, my, my family, my work, my friendships. God is my plan B in case everything else fails. That's not what trusting God is meant to look like. And again, this is not saying that we should go looking for trouble in order to learn how to trust God, put ourselves in difficult situations so that we can learn to say God is my refuge. It's not saying that everyone has to be a missionary in a war zone and live under a banana leaf with no money, no friends, no food, no family. That's when I'll be trusting God. It's saying we should seek to live the way that God calls us to live, the life that God calls us to live, doing the things that God wants for us rather than guarding ourselves out of insecurity and fear, even if it makes those things things seem less secure. In the Lord I take refuge. So how can you say to me, flee like a bird to my mountain? Now that first statement in verse 1 sounds like a statement of confidence, doesn't it? But as I read on into verse 2 and 3, I can't help but hear those words of David's friends as words that David is tempted to say to himself. And so rather than just confidence, it kind of becomes an expression of despair because he sees the insecurity of that mountain stronghold. And I think verses 2 and 3 give two reasons why he can't flee to the safety of his mountain refuge. Firstly, he gets shot on the way there. And secondly, the the foundation of the mountain is crumbling anyway. So verse 2 describes the trouble that David is facing. The wicked who are attacking David are like archers who are hiding in the shadows waiting to for a bird to leave the, the safety of the cover of the tree so they can shoot the bird. As soon as he makes his move, they're going to shoot him. So let me read from verse 2. <coughs> <coughs> For look, the wicked bend their bows, they set their arrows against the strings to shoot from the shadows at the upright in heart. They're going to shoot me if I flee. It reminds me of you know that idea of, of duck hunting or pheasant hunting. I've never done those things, but you get the idea of someone walking through the bushes beating the trees or the dog scaring the birds out of the trees. And as soon as they fly up above the canopy, above the safety of the tree cover, then the hunters can shoot them. See, it's all well and good to have a safe mountaintop refuge, but that doesn't do you much good if you're going to get shot on the way. And and this is saying the wicked are hiding in the shadows with their bows bent, ready to shoot me before I even get halfway there. That's the first problem. The second problem is that the mountain stronghold is crumbling anyway. So verse 3, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? See, he's saying, (coughs) even if he could get to this mountain stronghold, it's not the secure fortress that he needs right now. The foundation is being destroyed. It's like the enemy have got dynamite and they're blowing up the foot of the mountain and it's crumbling away. And so it's only a matter of time before that so-called mountain stronghold gives way and proves itself not to be 
so secure after all. So I guess you could say this despair comes from knowing the insecurity of those things that we might put our trust in. Perhaps you can identify with that. As you look to the year ahead, life feels, well, anything but secure. You don't have a stronghold that you can flee to. And trusting God in the midst of that, well, it doesn't seem like a simple solution to the problem. If that's you, then you're in good company. But that's only the beginning because David continues from verse 4. Because it's only in this despair that David returns to where his real confidence comes from. Let me read verse 4. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. He observes everyone on earth. His eyes examine them. So David might not be able to flee to some mountain stronghold, but he knows that God is secure in his stronghold. God is enthroned in the heavens and no one can dethrone him. That's the stronghold that David knows is secure. And that's where his confidence comes from. And notice that this confidence speaks to the exact situation that David was concerned about. In verse 2, David was concerned about those, those people who were hiding in the shadows, ready to shoot arrows from the dark where no one can see them, no one can stop them, no one can hold them to account. It seems helpless. But you see from the end of verse 4, God sees. He observes everyone on earth. His eyes examine them. The Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked, those who love violence, his soul hates with a passion. On the wicked he will rain fiery coals and burning sulfur. A scorching wind will be their lot. It might seem that the wicked get away with their wickedness as they attack him, as they shoot from the shadows of darkness where no one can see them and hold them to account. But God sees them. God will hold them to account. And verse 7 tells us again, God loves justice, that he will uphold the righteous and condemn the wicked. Now, if you were here last week, you might remember that we talked a fair bit about trusting God to deliver his justice in his timing as we experience the unjust attacks of others. So we're not going to cover that again in detail this week. But more generally, I want us to think a bit more about the confidence and security that we can have in knowing that God is in his stronghold, in his temple. That whatever is going on in our lives, he sees, he knows, and we can trust him to be our fortress, to be our refuge. That's where David's confidence in God as his refuge comes from. And that can be our confidence too. But you notice that this confidence is not a simple thing. It's anything but trite. And I think the tension that we see in this psalm kind of shows us what this is like. David does want to take refuge in God. But his present experience feels so insecure. 
not that his confidence is misplaced, but that he doesn't experience the security that comes from God immediately. And so there's this gap between the insecurity of his present experience and what he knows about God and his confidence in God. Yes, he knows that he can trust God. Yes, he knows that God is his strength and his refuge. But that's not necessarily a simple solution to his present problems in life. And I want to suggest that it's in this gap where trust exists. If there was no gap, then there would be no need for trust. If my confidence in God always gave me the immediate security and outcomes that I want in life, then what exactly am I trusting God for? You know, there will come a time where there will be no gap, when our confidence matches exactly with our experience and we look forward to that day. But right now, the Bible describes our life as we live by faith, by trust, not by sight. And that's what God wants from us. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to see the insecurity, to see the alternatives that we might flee to, to find confidence and, and, and security, and to put our trust in God in the midst of that. That's what it means to be able to say, in the Lord I take refuge. To be able to say that is more than just a bumper sticker, easy slogan, that is easy to say, but doesn't actually mean that much. So if I could return now to where we began, what will it look like for us to be able to say these words for ourselves into the year ahead? Again, we don't know what the year ahead has in store for us. We don't know what insecurity, what instability, what attacks we might face. But we can decide now that we will trust God that we will resolve to seek God as our refuge, whatever the year might look like. Whether we do have some other refuge that we might be tempted to flee to and take confidence in, or whether we feel like we've really got nothing at all. And more importantly, that we will let that confidence in God flow out into doing the things that God wants, even if it makes us feel nervous or insecure in the process. And again, that's not easy. It will seem easier to flee to some more tangible place of refuge, to, to money or possessions, to work or family or friends, or even just to take confidence in my ability to do things. Those might seem like a more secure thing to place our confidence in. But it's not what trusting God looks like. And I've got to say, from my own, I guess, limited experience, there is a real peace that comes from this kind of trust. That instead of focusing on those things that I might find confidence in, I focus on the fact that God is on his throne, that he is immovable. I meditate on those things that he is an unshakable refuge no matter what happens in life. This is the peace and the confidence that enables us to say, God is my refuge. Will you commit yourself to being able to say these words with David this year?
Let's pray that we will. Heavenly Father, those are easy words to say. In the Lord I take refuge. But you know that in the insecurity and instability and even attacks that we face in life, it's not always easy to stand firm and not flee to some other refuge. Father, we ask that you will strengthen our resolve in this regard, that you will open our eyes and the eyes of our hearts to know the truth and to trust in the truth that you are on your throne, immovable, unshakable, that we can seek refuge in you. And Father, may that give us the consistency and the stability to live the life that you call us to live, whatever is going on around us. And we pray that this will be to the honour of your glorious name and the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.